Christ is living his life through you. It's repeated because it's true. It's essentially true and only true. You cannot imitate the image of Christ. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. In preparation for Christmas, former His Hill director Bill Bushhouse presents part two of the series we have entitled Hark. In guiding us through the second part of Hark the Herald Angels Sing, he will draw from scripture with the intent of explaining what some of the phrases mean, like son of righteousness and mild he lays his glory by. So join us now as Bill leads us in the second and final episode of this series. Okay, welcome back to part two of um, some comments on A Christmas Carol by Charles Wesley. Hark, the herald angels sing. In the first section, we looked at the first two stanzas. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconcile. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Christ, by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. That's a great gift, isn't it, to have that gift of both poetry and music to be able to take truth like this and put it into such a, uh, a singable fashion. Uh, but now we want to move on ahead and we want to look at stanzas uh, three and four. Most of your hymnals, by the way, if you, if you have a hymnal or in your overhead projection, uh, when, they, when they put that up on the overhead, uh, most of them do not contain the last uh, stanza. So you might have to look for that or go to your church music director and demand it. Kindly. <laughs> so stanza three starts out this way. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Honor, glory, majesty, hail. All hail to the King. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Often in the Gospel of John especially, uh, for example, in chapter three, John the Baptist says, He is from above. We are from, ab- from below. We were born on this earth He was heaven-born. He was sent from heaven. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. This is another one of the uh, names, titles, that are given to the Lord Jesus Christ from the prophecy of Isaiah 9. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Who rules over peace? Jesus Christ. Who also in this passage is equated with the Father? Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. All the world has a uh, way for making peace, if we join them, right? If we would join them. Well, I'll go with the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. He alone can bring peace to the individual heart. He alone can bring peace to any group of people. So hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Now the next uh, the next three lines are a prophecy from Malachi chapter 4. I'm going to turn over there in a minute. In fact, I'm going to turn there before we um, 
before we look at the stanza. And to find it, uh, just go to Matthew and take a left. You know, just a few passages. It's the last uh, book of your Old Testament writings. It's the first, uh, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. So here we are in Malachi. I want to read the passage before we look at the stanza. It's a prophecy. It's a th- we're going to look at a three-verse chunk of it. It's a prophecy of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the second coming, not the first coming. And it's a prophecy predominantly of judgment. Uh, verses 1 and 3 talk about the judgment of the wicked. But sandwiched in there between these two passages of judgment is a promise to those that are his. And let's look at the uh, passage first. I'm in Malachi chapter 4, and I'm beginning in verse 1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaff. Common theme, right? Revelation, other prophecies. And the day that is coming will set them ablaze. Remember John the Baptist says, Jesus Christ has come to winnow. And the wheat he will gather to his barn, and the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. A reference, I believe, uh, to this passage. So they'll be set ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. In other words, this is the end of mankind. Now here's the sandwiched verse between the two passages on judgment. But you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will... Now, it's not S-O-N, it's S-U-N. It's son of righteousness. Who is the very radiance, brightness, outshining of righteousness? Well, it's Jesus Christ. Can you reproduce the sun? I mean, go ahead, go outside and go to, or go to your science lab. Say, okay, I'm going to make a sun today, you know, stars. You can't do it. We can produce our own righteousness, but we can't produce the sun. So Jesus Christ is the S-U-N, the son of righteousness. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. The, the only righteousness that you could ever have is, a, is an, an imputed righteousness, right? Just like the only way I can enjoy the sun is not by making my own but just going out and soaking it in. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Then it says in the hymn, Light and life to all he brings. Well, that's what the sun does, doesn't it? The sun, first of all, brings light. Look out my window. There it is. Light and life and life. Without sunlight, things are dead. Things die. Without the light and the Son of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, imputed unto us, we still are in darkness, and we still are in death. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So all the, this, this great uh, passage from this psalm, this song, rather, is a near quote of the passage from Malachi. So back in Malachi. But to you who fear the Lord, the Son, S-U-N, of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Isn't that beautiful? The sun rising, healing in his wings. Healing of what? Healing from the the sin of 
<clears throat> excuse me, the death of sin, the slavery of sin, right? Jesus said, he who the Son sets free is free indeed, healing in his winds, wings. I'm paraplegic, most of you who know me. I'd love to rise and walk right now. It'd be a lot of fun. Um, but I know this. I know that in Jesus Christ, that not only will I be healed, but I'll receive an entire new body. So not only does he heal, I believe he heals in the present tense, but he's going to eternally heal every human being. The son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And I love this. It's not in song, but it's in the passage. And you will go forth and skip about like calves from a stall. We don't have uh, cattle out here in our little bitty farm here in Fredericksburg, but we have goats and sheep. And when those little goats are born, they are the funniest thing to watch. And it's just all you can say, it's an, it seems like an expression of sheer joy. I mean, they're hopping around in every direction, and just seeming, yeehaw, you know, just coming out of there. And it's beautiful to watch. It's beautiful to watch. And in other words, it's a picture of joy. You will, you will jump around. You will skip about with joy. Why? Because we've been delivered from the slavery of sin and received the gift of righteousness through our Lord Jesus Christ. So hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings risen with healing in his wings. Isn't that great? That's a great stanza, but we need to move on. Risen with healings in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Uh, Kelly and I, in this little break, I was like, I wonder what the old English meant as in mild, because he uses it up there in stanza one, peace on earth and mercy, mild, mild he lays his glory by. But my, my guess, best guess right now is that willingly, mildly, no one had to force it. From him, Jesus said, I, I do this willingly. I lay down what I am by nature, God. And I think there's a reference here, at least a thought, to Philippians chapter 2. Remember that? It said that being found in the form of man, he, he humbled himself and took on the form of a man, even a servant, a bondservant. But he did this mildly. He did this willingly, just like we should obey God. So mild he laid his glory by, born, why? Why was Jesus born? Born that man no more would die. That's good. In Hebrews, it says that Jesus came to defeat death. In fact, it says it came to defeat the one who had, past tense, the power of death, that is, the devil. Really, that's why Jesus Christ came he came to declare the nature of the Father. If you've seen God, you've seen me. But part of that nature was a working out of his love for mankind. And the end of his coming was to defeat death. I often would ask this question in class. What do dead men need? Dead men need life, right? Dead men need to be risen from the dead. They don't need religion. Uh, they don't need to learn how to quote their Bibles. I like quoting my Bible, like memorizing chunks. But that won't help a dead man, will it? Catechism won't help a dead man. Baptism won't help a dead man. What'll help a dead resurrection from the dead? <laughs> and that's why he's born. Born that man no more may die. And the last three lines, beginning with that one, 
are all in the same thing. They're, they're synonymous thoughts, right? Follow with me. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? I mean, somebody wrote this, and you think, gosh, this guy knew what he was writing. Born that man no more may die. We looked at that. Born to raise the sons of earth. Um, in Ephesians, it says, by grace you have been saved, right? But not only that, it says not only that, but we have been raised up with him. We have been raised up with Jesus Christ. And in Romans 6, it says very clearly, we've been raised up with him in order that we too may walk in newness of life. In other words, it's not merely a future thing. It's a present thing that we might live with Christ working through us to uh, display his life and character in us. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, excuse me, on that day, he said, unless you are born again, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Second birth. Uh, wow, what a picture, huh? Nicodemus didn't get it, and we didn't get it. Uh, Jesus, in that in that great passage, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, whosoever believes shall not perish but have eternal life. The context of that in John three fourteen and around that, it says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, and I know I'm drifting a little bit here. <laughs> Bear with me. Uh, when that in numbers, all these people were bitten by this deadly serpent. And the, they knew that there was nothing to do but to sit there in the desert and wait to die. And they said, what in the world do we do? We're doomed. But God said to Moses, make this serpent out of bronze. Wrap it around your pole or staff and hold it up. And whoever looks at the serpent shall live. Huh. There's life for a look at the Savior. Remember that? You probably don't remember that song. <laughs> Looking unto Jesus. In other words, Jesus said, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up on the cross, that everyone who looks to him, right, shall receive second birth, shall be born again. Because that's that. Then he says, "For God so loved the world." Same, same section as where he says. The, in fact, he's still speaking to Nicodemus. Unless you are born again, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have no life within you. Peter puts this. He says, "You are chosen to be." Um, let me turn over there because the, I, I want to get it accurate, and I don't have it accurate in my mind. So let's just turn to First Peter chapter 1. Come, desire of nations, come. This seems strange to us, but it's, a, it's really a direct quote of Haggai uh, chapter 2, verse 7, from the King James. Uh, I have a King James over here, and it, it says that in the desire of nations, back when the King James was used, which is still today, and a lot up to, you know, this past century. Um, 
the desire of nations was the Messiah, right? Come, desire of nations, come. So whether Wesley has it right or wrong, I think that's what he's wanting to say. Come, desire of nations. Oh, the nations long for thee because we need to be, what, saved. We need to be reconciled to thee. Come, desire of nations, come. Fix in us thy humble home. Okay, so now they have uh, John 14 and John 15, right? Abide in me and I abide in you. Fix in us thy humble. What is, what is the song praying in this passage? It's, it's singing. We're praying through song when we say fix in us thy humble. Come to dwell in us. When we are born again, which we just sung about in the last stanza, now he says, yes, in that rebirth, come to dwell in us, Lord Jesus Christ. Come to dwell in us. And Jesus said when the uh, Holy Spirit comes in John 14, uh, it says, and you will know him because he will be in you. He will be in you. And he says, I will come to dwell in you, and I will make my abode with you. All that from John 14 before John 15. So the word for that abode and home that we see in John 14 concerning the Spirit is the same word, except it's a noun, as abide that we see in John 15. Abide in me, Jesus Christ, and I in you. When the Spirit comes... He shall abide with you and will be in you. That's what he's uh, written in the hymn here. Born that man no more may die from the last verse. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Come desire of nation comes. Fix in us thy humble home. Give us thy spirit. Fill us with thy spirit. One thing wonderful about the um, the Wesleyan movement um, is their emphasis on rebirth. They sort of, you know, religion sort of got stagnant in those days, the 1700s, and it got churchy, if you, if you know what I mean. But they emphasized again, and they preached, they preached out all over the place, that unless you are born again, they understood the rebirth, unless you are born again. In fact, it was Charles who, who came to Christ first and had a wonderful awakening, and it's interesting that John, his brother, had already been a missionary to Georgia. That's not Russian Georgia, but north of Florida there, south of South Carolina. Georgia, he was a missionary there in Georgia, but he was not regenerate. And it was through this testimony of his brother that, you, you know, you must be born again. I've had this great uh, uh, awakening in my own heart. So when he says, fix in us thy humble home... He's saying, oh, Spirit of God, I must be born again. I must live again. Fix in me the dwelling place for the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the next little section, we've got to turn to Genesis. I want to turn there because this is the first, uh, the first prophecy of the Messiah, the very first one. Adam and Eve had eaten of the forbidden fruit, and they were uh, kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and they died. The day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. But God makes this promise. 
makes this promise in Genesis chapter 3. There's a fancy word for it. I think it's pro-evangelicum, in other words, the pre-gospel. Here it is, right? Whatever it is in Latin, here it is in English. And the Lord God said to the serpent, I'm in Genesis 3, 14, because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I've heard people laugh at that. Says, well, the snake have legs back then. No, he might have had a higher purpose for the snake. How do you know? The snake might have been snake, but you shall stay in your belly. There's no future. Like you and I, we get a new being, don't we? We're created new. Anyway, less on that. On your belly you shall go the rest of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, right, that's Eve, and between your seed and her seed. Okay, who is the seed of this woman? Well, Galatians again tells us, born the seed of a woman. He, the seed of the woman, shall bruise you on the head. He, Jesus Christ, shall bruise you, Satan, on the head, which is a deadly blow, right? And you shall bruise him on the heel in the process, the cross, I believe. Without a doubt, I believe. It's a, it's a healable, it's very painful. You ever been clipped on your heel or anything? It's painful, but you'll get over it. You get a head blow, a severe head blow, not good. Not good. So that's the prophecy he has in this wonderful, this wonderful song. And he says, okay, come desire of nations, come. Abide in us, right? Fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed. Bruise in us the serpent's head. Wow. I mean, he, he knew the scriptures. Charles Wesley knew the scriptures and wrote this wonderful hymn. And then he talks about likeness and image. I believe with that when man fell, that when man fell, he lost the image of God. Or at best, it was severely, grossly, almost unidentifiably marred, though I would lean to the former. That it was yielded because they died because the Spirit of God was separated from them. Now this image, I've got to say, uh, and of course uh, what we've learned all from Major Ian Thomas, very important, very important, that this is not an image. Well, let's, let me read the passage in the song. Adam's likeness, now a face, erase, get rid of, right? Adam's likeness, now a face, stamp thy image in its place. He couldn't find a better word, so I just... <laughs> stamp thy, thy image. Do you see the contrast? Adam's likeness, thy image, right? So what do we bear now? In this flesh, we bear the likeness of Adam. We bear... We are in sinful flesh. But Adam's likeness, now a face, stamp thy image in its place. Second Adam, from above, reinstate us in thy love. Great prophecies here. Just great prophecies. So this image is an image not by imitation, we were taught, but by derivation. That, this is one thing that Major taught that has stuck with me. It's not an image by imitation, but by derivation. 
and Major would illustrate, and I'll illustrate. Uh, Kelly is sitting across from me, and um, he, I could sit there, and I could, if I was an artist, I could paint his image, and I could set it up on an easel, and people would say, if I were a good painter, that looks just like him. Uh, that's image by imitation. I, by my abilities, are trying to imitate the image of Kelly Dordery. Who gets all the praise that way, by the way? Who? who? What an artist. I think the only painting picture person we know of is Mona Lisa. You know, you see, you know, so you see all these wonderful, famous million-dollar paintings, painting of unknown man. <laughs> the artist gets all the praise, right? Because they're trying to recreate the image of that man or a statue, right? Et cetera, et cetera. You're trying to... Im so we cannot imitate Christ. We cannot try to, in our own flesh and abilities and creativeness, to imitate, but it's image by derivation. It's a derived image where the image is dependent upon the substance of the being itself. Let me give you an illustration. That's a mouthful, but it's good. And it's not mine. It's not original. The only derived image that Kelly could do is he could look in a mirror. He can look in a mirror. And that image is totally dependent upon what? Kelly, I'll, Kelly, I want you to try this when you get home so you can prove this. And when you do, if, some, if you do some kind of introduction, say, yeah, Bill was right on that. Stand in front of the mirror, real quickly, jump away. <laughs> does it stay? It does not stay. The image is gone. The glory has <laughs> departed. That's how Kelly looks at himself in the mirror. The glory has departed. He's, so he, <laughs> I'm sorry. So he looks at the image, but the image is totally dependent on Kelly, right? If there's any image to be seen, it's a reflection of who? Kelly himself. So in us, this image is a reflection, not of my ability to imitate Jesus Christ, but on his ability to show his life, shine his life through me, to bear his image. Uh, Romans 5 says, it's, it talks a lot about the contrast between Adam and Jesus Christ, the second Adam. It says, Adam, by Adam's sin, all men fell. And by Christ's death, all will believe, share his life. And it goes back and forth and back and forth. Uh, talking about the contrast between Adam and Christ. Adam's image, now a face. Stamp thy image in its place. This is extremely important in daily life, because the only way we're going to walk according to Christ is that Christ is living his life. You've probably never heard this before. Christ is living his life through you. It's repeated because it's true. It's essentially true and only true. You cannot imitate the image of Christ. And then the prayer, here's the prayer. Second Adam from above reinstate us in thy love. If you're reinstated in something, what does that mean? You've been kicked out before or you've left it for some reason. But what, what we've been separated from Jesus Christ through sin and he says, now reinstate us 
in thy love. The, path, the, the, the second idea, the second Adam, excuse me, idea is expanded upon in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is to the resurrection of the dead, the same thing 1 Corinthians 13 is to love. It's the sort of a central, central passage on it. 1 Corinthians 15 is on the resurrection of Christ, the resurrection, what Hebrews 11 is to faith. It's the central passage, and it's, it's, it's a long chapter. Uh, look at in verse 22, 21 and 22. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead, right? For as in Adam all die, so also all in Christ shall be made alive, right? He's talking about at the second coming of Christ in this sense. And then he goes on and says in verse 45, this, is, this whole chapter, these entire 50-something verses is on the resurrection of the dead. And I'm in verse 45 now. So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam, second Adam, right, became a life-giving spirit. What's the difference there? The first Adam, since he was a created being, had to receive life, right? God breathed into him the breath of life. The second Adam, Jesus Christ, came as a life-giving spirit. He's the one who gives life. Second Adam, from above, reinstate us in thy love. Come, desire of nations, come, fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed, bruise in us the serpent's head. Adam's likeness now efface. Stamp thy image in its place. Second Adam, from above, reinstate us in thy love. Hark, <laughs> the herald angels sing. That's a great uh, carol. I hope you all have a good Advent season. Merry Christmas, if you use those terms. But it's been great spending a little bit of time with you. I want to thank Bill for giving us his time and preparing the series. We really appreciate his willingness to help us out with the podcast. Well, the students have gone home for Christmas break. It was a great semester, and we're looking forward to having them back, along with the new faces that will be joining them in January. So please pray with us that it be a profitable break for them, and that they know the Lord's favor in traveling back, and that we all continue to grow in Christ throughout the rest of the school year. If you're interested in volunteering for summer staff, please do so by going to our website and filling out the application. You can find it by clicking on the volunteer button under the camp menu. If you're not doing so already, make sure to follow the podcast on the platform that you're listening to us with. And also, if you don't mind, make sure to rate us as well. The better the rating, the easier it is for others to find us. And along with that, please make sure to follow us on Instagram as well so you can keep up with the latest news regarding the podcast. You can find us at The His Hill Podcast. Make sure to type in the word the before His Hill or you'll have a hard time finding us. And thanks again for listening to the podcast. Merry Christmas. And remember, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus.